may have a seat. Everybody doing okay today? All right, not bad, not bad, all right. Even if you're faking it, I appreciate it, appreciate it. Um, there is something about um, the, the human kind of intuition. I, I think all of us, we love what we might call or describe as the mountaintop experience, right? Like there's excitement there. There's a thrill and a joy, right? Like, like think about different, like, like the gold medal. Anyone here ever won a gold medal? Come on, fifth grade field day, something, right? You know, but, but even if you look like at our Olympians, you're like unbelievable, right? And we, we get excited, we cheer them on, we want them to win, but probably only she and maybe those closest to her really know the sacrifice, right? The trenches in between the mountain, the, the times that she wants to give up, the times that she failed, the times, right? And even if you're, you know, you, you ever were won a championship or, or one of your, your kids, and, and you know how much practice, how much time that goes into. Or even when I think about theater, right? We, we think about the curtain call. Bravo! Bravo! Standing ovation. What a show. Amazing. And it's, and it's great. It's a great mountaintop experience. Like, I went to all four of my daughter's shows a couple weeks ago. Uh, and, and yet, I know, I had a front row seat of the trenches, of how hard, how much time. I remember one day picking her up, bringing her home, and she's like trying to hold back the tears. And I'm like, why are you crying? You know, good dad as I am. And uh, got yelled at a lot today. I'm like, well, you're the lead. It's like the captain of the team. The coach has to yell at you. It's not basketball, dad, all right? But... I saw, right, what they put into it. So when you see, you get all the more excited than a mountain because you realize what was done in the trenches. You know, this is a, a big season um, for this, right? Some of you who have the, the blessing of going to a graduation this year, you know. And, and when you're, you, maybe your child gets a diploma or, or you get the diploma and, and maybe they, they really struggled. They had a learning disability or even if they didn't, man, they just... Hours and hours and days and days in the trenches to get to the mountaintop, right? I don't know a younger couple in, in my life that when they see something like that, they don't go, oh, right? I want that someday. Not now. <laughs> someday. Like, I don't want to be that old couple just glaring at each other and not anything to say. I want to be like that, still flirting and still, right? But here's what I tell them. If you want that, you got to fight through the trenches of the hard days, the days where you're not really speaking to each other very much, right? And you fight through to get there. Mountaintops are great. The Christian life, which is, of course, why I bring this up, it's, it's ultimately the same way, maybe even the most for us. We love, whether it's the thousands of people, at your favorite Christian artist or, or church service, or, or you went to a retreat, and you're like, why can't it always be like this, Right? The mountaintop where God fills you and the Holy Spirit moves and it's, it's great. Those are beautiful moments. They are. But the Christian life is fought in the trenches in between. That's where you have your days of doubt, your days of I can't do this, your days I'm just going to go do what everyone else does. It's easier. It's better. It's, you know, those days are where the Christian life is fought. The daily grind, we might call it. The daily work. But here's what I want to remind you today, right? Is that in that daily grind, you also have daily grace. Bob already talked about grace. God's amazing favor and blessing to strengthen you, not just on the mountaintop, but most importantly, in the valley of the shadow of death. 
the trenches where you want to give up. So let's pray. Father, we come before you. We come before you in honor to you and to your name. Salvation is found in no other name but you, Lord Jesus. And we are here, O oh God, um, to ask for you to fill us with what we need. And so I ask, for the third time this weekend, I ask that you would use me as a simple vessel, not to give anybody here or online with us what I want. It's not my word. It's yours. It's your truth. You know what we need, Lord. If we need encouragement, if we need more grace today from you, give it. If we need kind of a, 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 a kick to the pants to get up and move, do that, Lord. Father, I pray that you would do your work to your people today. If salvation is needed for someone here, that you would provide it. That you would give faith for them to believe. It's in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. So we are, if you want to follow along or turn it on or flip it open, Bible, uh, we've been going through this letter, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. You can go there, and as you go there, of course, today is a huge day, right? Right? Oh my gosh. Celebration today, right? Excitement in the air. Celtic Sixers, game seven, right? No, I'm kidding. You know I'm kidding. I got rotten fruit thrown at me by Heather and the nine, so I won't do that, no. Uh, she just keeps it just in case, right? Um, but no, today is Mother's Day, and we truly, truly want you to know we love you. All of those of you who are moms, I pray, please celebrate today. Be blessed, not just today, but the whole year. What you do is just amazing. Um, and so we want to be reminded of that. Uh, but as I always try to remind you, uh, today's a hard day for some too. And I know that might be you for lots of different reasons. And uh, we're glad you're here too. You didn't avoid people today because this is about what God will do for you. Um, and, and most of us, the vast majority of us, it, it's a mix, right? There's really good celebrations of moms in our lives, or maybe you're a mom, or maybe there's also some pain. Um, I'm in that crowd too, right? have moms in my life, but also lost my mom and my mother-in-law a while ago. So it's like you just have that mixture of emotions, but that's what we do as God's church. I know I tell you this every year is, you know, we... We rejoice with those who rejoice, but we mourn with those who mourn, and um, we just show up for one another. I don't preach anything, as you can tell, different on Mother's Day, typically. Not that that's bad. Uh, I just preach what's next in line in the series that we're doing and the book that we're in. Um, that has gotten me into trouble in the past. Uh, if you were here when I did Luke, and uh, there on Mother's Day was the passage of Jesus saying, hate your mother and father. You're like, he really said that? He did, but that's a whole other. You have to go back in time for that. I'm not preaching that today, all right? I'm like, Lord God, why do you do this to me? Why? You have such a sense of humor, and it's good. So today, nothing like that, thankfully. Uh, and, and, and so um, it, what, what we have instead, if you've been with us, Paul's in prison, but this is like the most likely the last stop. He, he's in a prison now in chains, it's, it's, he's at his breaking point. This is the most personal letter uh, of all the Bible. Uh, and he writes it to Timothy, who he loves dearly. He's probably in Ephesus, not going through a great time himself. And, and we're going to see now, we've already seen it, but we're going to see even more how personal this gets for Paul. And, and it's like he's, he's um, it, it's, it's not, you know, it's because this guy, like, he's now at almost his breaking point. He doesn't break, but he, he's really in a bad spot. 
and, and it's, it's interesting because this is not a guy who's had an easy life, right? I mean, he's been beaten many times, like whipped and beaten, imprisoned many times. He's been stoned, like where, the, where everyone who stoned him thought, oh, he's dead. That's how bad it was and left, and then he got up. He's been driven away from all kinds of cities. He's been shipwrecked at least at this point four times because we have to include the, the book of Acts. Like, I don't even know how that happens, okay? And, and, and all of this, and yet now... There's something about this situation that has him really low, and here's what it is. He feels alone. He feels abandoned. And man, that's so true. It isn't grief that will destroy you. It's the loneliness that you might feel that comes with it. It's the loneliness in that if you feel like nobody has showed up to help you walk through it. That's the worst place. And that's why he's so down. And, and he's going to give two examples to Timothy. One bad, we're about to see, and one, one good. And, and, and so in verse 15, he says, Timothy, you are aware that all, that's an important word, right? All who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Philgelus and Hermogenes. Now, we don't know those people, um, and uh, we don't know what, were they the ringleaders of some group? Were they good friends of Paul and now they've abandoned him? We know he named him, so there must have been something there. We also don't really know um, what exactly this means, right? That, that they turned away. There's many that think they, they just stopped being Christians. They've left the church. They've left the gospel. There, there could be some of that. Um, all we know, and why I pointed out to you, Whatever was happening, because I don't think everyone in Asia stopped being a Christian. I don't think that happened, right? Um, but all we know is that they turned away from Paul. And so what you see all over verse 15 is the pain of Paul. And I love that. I mean, that word, all. Like, you've used it. No one cares. Everyone has abandoned me. All, right? Like, like that's never true. But you feel it to be true. That's not true. I mean, Timothy's in, in Asia. Ephesus is in Asia. And, and he hasn't turned his back on Paul. I mean, the guy who's about to mention, uh, and his household hasn't turned. So we know it's not true, but that, that, it's not like he's lying. It's just how he's feeling in chains in prison. He's like, all have abandoned me, Timothy. Right? All have abandoned me, including Herbogenes and Syphilis or whatever his name is, right? Of the jokes that you think are funny. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> I just didn't feel like saying his name again. And quite frankly, I don't like these people. I love Paul, and they bothered Paul. They bother me, all right? But, you know, we, we don't want to be them. That's what he's telling Timothy, right? Is, is not all have probably turned away, but he feels that way, that they have abandoned and turned their back on Paul. And, and so then the rest of, of, of chapter 1, he gives a, an opposite example. He says, may the Lord grant mercy to the household of Anisiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. Before I flip that to verse 18, I, I love it. Remember, he says, he often refreshed me. Isn't that cool? Don't you love people in your life who refresh you versus weary you? <laughs> When they refresh you, that was the kind of person Anisiphorus is. But, but he, he concludes, he says, May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know 
all the service he rendered at Ephesus. Now, there's a lot of speculation. Was he dead at this point? Was Paul, you know, I, we have no reason to know that or think that. Um, we just know he's probably not at his household later on. He'll ask for blessing on all of his household. Um, but, but all we see here that I think is important is what he did for Paul, and that was a consistent with what he used to do at home in Ephesus. That's his character, to refresh people. That's Onesiphorus. That, that when all were stepping away, he did what? He stepped toward. That's not easy. When people are having a rough time, and they're depressed, and they're sad. He's like, man, I'd rather go over here with this person who's happy. But they need you to step in. And it's hard because, like, especially for guys, we like to fix it, don't we, guys? And if there is no fixing it, we shy away, right? Like, like what's he going to do? Get Paul out of prison? Bust him out? Be his lawyer? There's nothing he can really do but show up. And that's exactly what he did. He had to work for it. This wasn't like that first imprisonment you can read about in Acts, and it seems like people could come and go and see Paul. Like, he, no one even knew where he was. And this Ephorus has to, like, he's like, hey, I want to go see Paul. Who? And he had to work to find him, and he showed up. And Paul says, man, that refreshed me. That refreshed me. Don't you want that to be said of you? I know I do. I, I've, I've told you, I, just by nature of being a pastor, I've probably been at a thousand funerals. Like, I'm not even using hyperbole. So many. And so all, you know, usually, not always, but usually, there's someone who or someone's who talk about the person. And I'll usually use that as an opportunity to say, what do you, like, what, what do you think they'll say about you? And that's actually true, right? And, 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 they're, and they're never going to, and I know this from experience, they're never going to stand up and be like, man, he was so good at business and making money. Nobody cares. Except for maybe your kids who will get an inheritance. Other than that, nobody cares. Nobody cares how many resorts you visited. Nobody cares how many trophies you won. What they say are exactly like he was saying about Anisiphorus. That, 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 that he refreshed me, that she was there for me, that, 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 man, when I needed a friend, he was the person I could count on. My father or my grandmother or my f good friend. Like, that's the kind of stuff they say about you because that's what actually matters in this life. Is, is, and, and, and this is how I wanted to, to, to put it, is to be a conduit, and I've done this many times over the years, of grace for others every day, the daily grind. Not just on the mountaintop when you're feeling great. In the grind, our job, if we're Christians, is to be a conduit. You know what that is? That's just something that takes something and it flows through you to somewhere else, like a hose. Like you don't create, like, and here's, here's how I usually do it, right? It's like a funnel. Like the funnel doesn't create what goes through it. And the funnel doesn't have anything really to do with where it goes. The funnel is just the dispenser, the conduit. Right? And so every one of us, as we're going through life, if you're, unless you're in a bunker, you know this, there are people out there that are empty. They feel it. You can see it. They're weary. They're tired. They're broken. They're angry. Right? Like especially lately, it just seems like it's worse and worse. And we encounter these people everywhere we go. This morning, I was joking with someone before the nine. Like we heard like three angry horns at CVS in like five minutes. I'm like, that's all the dads husbands who are like get out of my way I forgot right like and it's like they're so we meet them every day so here's all we're called to do on this Sephora's right is to is to access 
the grace of God in the Lord Jesus Christ, and through us, we fill others, right? Through us, as we access God's grace. And that's going to be really important because in the three points I want to make for you, there's a sandwich. And the middle one is going to be critical, and we'll get there. But first, it's something we're called to do. It's, it's to this person. You're not going to completely fill them. Like, Paul's not completely filled up because of Anisophorus, but he sure is a lot better because his friends showed up. And, and so we're called to do Like, Anisophorus had his struggles. I mean, some think he's dead, so, man, I don't know. Like, before that, who knows? But, but regardless, he's away from home. He's got problems of travel. He's probably got issues. Maybe he's got a health crisis. We don't know. We just know he's human, just like every one of us. And so he could easily be completely focused on his struggles and his problems. But instead, he says, who can I bless? Who can I take God's grace and give it to today? And it can be so simple. as just, man, you, can, you know how easy it is? to be a conduit for grace right now. I was talking to um, Pastor Josh this past week, and he was um, trying to get an appointment for a, a, a medical thing he's dealing with. And if you all know how that's going lately, <laughs> right? They were like, oh, November 1st. November 1st? Like, I'm like, isn't that like a year away almost? And, and so he said, and the guy's like, ah, sometimes there's cancellations and he's working. And Josh said, you know what I just told him? I said, hey, I just want to thank you for doing your best to help me and doing your job the way you do it. If you know Josh, it's genuine. It's crazy. I don't know where we found him, but that's him, right? And, 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 and he said, the guy stops, and there's this really weird pause. And the guy just goes, nobody has ever thanked me for doing my job ever. And I said to Josh, see, you'll get the first cancellation call for sure. But he probably, here, think about it. You have to constantly tell people, sorry, I know you're really nervous about this situation. You want to see a doctor, but you have to wait till November 1st. Imagine what he's hearing. You, right? That's what he's hearing constantly. And instead, he hears, hey, thanks for doing your best. I know this isn't your, you know, like, it's that easy. That easy to just say something encouraging to the person at the grocery store or the person who, who's like, that, that, that you encounter wherever you encounter them, to be different. But the thing about Anisiphorus is it wasn't just the small, I'm sure he did in Ephesus, or I'm sure he was that kind of guy, right? But it was also really showing up big time for those you're closest to. I get, again, as a pastor, front row seat of seeing so many of you and what you do for people. Like to show up when people, it's hard. There's times where you don't have the fix-it answer. And, it, and, you, and, and it's instinctive to be like, ugh, it's too painful. But you show up anyway, and you're just there, and that's all they need, is to know they're not walking through it alone. You see, God will give the grace they need. He just chooses to use us. He chooses to use His people to be that funnel of His grace to people. I have distinct memories of times in my life the, those weeks and months after my mom died, like I remember, I don't even remember what we talked about or what friends showing up and just being there, just to talk and laugh and, and just be there. Sometimes you make a meal, sometimes you can fix something or do something, but usually it's just being in this Sephora and refreshing others. There's sometimes nothing better you can do. 
And I will tell you this before moving on to our sandwich part. In this day and age, I wouldn't have had to say this 10, 15 years ago, that we have this plague because of technology that we're always distracted. I don't always is hyperbole. But whether it's the watch or the what, right? It just seems like we're not trying to convey that to people. I do it too. We're not trying to convey it. The person you're, that's with me is sometimes like my least priority. Or whatever this is or this is is more important. We're not trying to tell them that. But every time we do it, we distance. I'm just saying like, yeah, you need to sometimes be aware of who's contacting you and all that. But as best as you can, be present in the moment with the people and where you're at. Everything doesn't need a selfie or a video. Just like, just be present and build that intimacy with your people around you because then you, you break down those barriers and when they need you, you're there. When you need them, they're there. Be present and then be a conduit of grace every day. That's the goal. We will have to own it that we've blown it, but every day. Now, we're just going to look at two more verses. Um, and they're actually one long sentence. And I expected when I was going to uh, attack this passage to, to uh, chapter 2, verse 2, to be the one that I really spend the most time on. Because it's a very famous verse. It's a beautiful verse about discipleship. And it's actually the continuation of this very sentence. So it's very important. So God just kept drawing me to verse 1. Because without verse 1, you're not going to be a conduit. And you're definitely not going to be able to do what he calls you to do in verse 2. Not going to happen. So that's why Paul says to Timothy, you then, this is emphatic, this is a command, you then, Timothy, my child, like he loves this man so much, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strengthened. It's an interesting phrase, I think. So it's, it's not your strength, you're not mustering it up, it's the strength found in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there is this idea, it's not just be strong, it's be strengthened. So for you to be strengthened, you have to find ways to put yourself in a position to be strengthened. And so that's the job, is like, if I need to be filled up, I need to get in position to be filled up, right? And so he's going to give him something to do, but it starts with being strengthened. You aren't going to be able right, to, to uh, do anything for anyone if you aren't receiving the grace from God. Have you ever tried to wake up and say, I'm going to be a Christian today? Hopefully you say it in a nicer voice than that. But you're just like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do everything, right? Like, and it's on your strength. And that lasts you how long? So you spill a little coffee on yourself? You could have been kidding me. Or you wake up and moms, you know, since Mother's Day, you're like, oh, my kids are going to be so not. And the first thing you hear is, I hate you, right? And you're like, that's it. I can have more children, right? And you just say, or you get in traffic, and I hope I'm not alone on this, but for some reason, you have decided all these people around you are your mortal enemies. They have all conspired today to come at the exact time as you and get in your way, right? Of course, and that's how it goes. And my point is, listen, the, the idea for us, okay, is to be strengthened by grace. But here's the thing that he said every day, the daily grind. What is grace? I love how Bob put it, right? Like it is God's favor and God's blessing, right? But the best 
symbol we have for grace is the cross. And it's a beautiful picture of God's grace that while you were his enemy, he died for you. Not while you were doing well, while you were running and lost and in sin. He said, I'm dying for you. That's not just mercy, it's grace. It's I'm not just going to give you what you deserve, death. I'm going to give you life. Grace, it's awesome. And if you don't know that, please, we want you to know that. That God's favor is found in just putting your faith in Jesus. So we know this as Christians, but here's the problem is a lot of times we think of our moment of salvation as, oh, it's beautiful. God died, God, Christ died for me. God's given me his grace. And now, I know he's with me, but i got to kind of gut out the Christian life day after day. And usually God's kind of disappointed with me because I'm not where I should be. And I've blown it, and I've fallen away, and I've done that, right? And so it's this daily grind and daily fight. And what Paul says to Timothy, and you and I need to hear, is that, Every day you get God's grace. Every day you get to be filled up with how much God loves you. Every day you can receive the promises that God, he walks with you through the valley of the shadow of death. That's the God who puts his favor upon you. He loves you. He's not sitting there going, tisk tisk. No, he doesn't want us in sin because he knows that's terrible. He wants better for us. But he's there every day. Like we say, it's, it's not just for the Christian. Uh, God's grace is not just a diving board, right? It's the whole pool. Everything you do is the strength of God. And so I say this because you will never be a conduit of grace for others. You will never be able to do what he's calling Timothy to do in, in, in verse 2 if you don't do this. Some of you, this is all you need today. You're weary. You feel distant from God. Maybe you're angry, maybe it's sin, just you're feeling that way. So to, to be passionate about anything else, to bless out, like you just don't have it in you, okay. Admit that. And what you need to do, because just doing what you're doing right now isn't cutting it, if that's you. So you need to position yourself to receive more of God's favor and grace. Now, if you've been a believer long enough, you know what those things are. You probably just need to get back to them. God's word is so critical to that. And maybe there was a time in your life you were reading every day and it was exciting all that, and it's been on the shelf. Or that app hasn't been opened in a while. Right? You need to, I, I saw this study that, that like they just measured all different ages and backgrounds and just simply said how many times you read your Bible per week and they tried to measure different things like bad sinful habits and things like anxiety, depression, all that. And they found the magic number was four. That doesn't mean you can't do seven, all right? But those who were at least four, things changed big time in their life. Like the bad stuff, not completely gone, but a lot lower, and the good stuff a lot higher. Wow, it's almost like God's Word is alive and active and doing something. It's not just a dead book written by dead people. It's an alive written by the Holy Spirit through people. And you and I need it. We need it. And, and, it's, and, and, and not just that. But to learn, and this is so hard for me, so hard, the discipline of silence before God. In case you didn't notice, I like to talk. And that happens with God sometimes. Where he's like, shh, 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 shh. be quiet, listen to me. And it's like, how do I do that? I don't know how to do that. 
I, you know what the ironic thing is? This exact part in the mess, I was working on it Friday, um, and this happens sometimes, and it's weird when it happens, because it's like, I'll get to a part, and I kind of know what I want to say, but it's like slogging through mud, and I'm like, Lord, I don't even want to say this, let alone ask people to listen to this, right? Like, what is wrong? And I was getting frustrated and struggling, and then it was almost this exact part, and then I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, ask God for help. So I put it aside, and I just said, Lord, fill me, right? And so maybe you just need to do that, right? Like, just sit, no distractions, and say, Lord, I just need to feel your love. I just need to feel your, your, your blessing. I just need to feel your presence. And I'm sorry that it's my fault that I haven't, but would you, like, not accomplishing, I'm going to memorize another verse, I'm going to just breathe and let God speak to your heart. Maybe you need to do that. Or get back to praying, not just a quick prayer before meals, but spend time. Like, that's why we gather in worship and gather in home groups and get, like, these things are how we fill and are strengthened by his grace every day. Every day. Not just on the mountaintops, in the daily grind. Because here's the thing. For most of us, there's probably at least 10 things we're far more passionate about than Jesus. And that's sad. I'm not, that's not a condemnation. That's just a fact. And so we need to ask, why? Because we're filling ourselves with other passions instead of the grace that strengthens us to get in the trenches, trenches and fight and do what he's going to call Timothy to do and call us to do. Right? And that last, it's going to be um, verse 2. But here's the concept, okay? Last verse. This, this is the concept. It's what I call the Hershey Kisses concept. You might have seen some people with Hershey Kisses already, right? And um, here we go. Now, somebody was filming this and said, we're going to take it out of context and just say, the pastor's saying, there's a kiss for you and a kiss for you. And I'm like, oh, that'll be great. That'll be great. Do it. That's fine. Come see what the weird, creepy pastor's going to say next week. That's fine. So I want to give every one of you a Hershey Kiss, right? So imagine if I said, oh, let me, I want to do that, I want to do that, okay. But I don't really trust, I'm, I'm going to do it. So I'm going to like have you line up, and I'm just going to give like each and every one of you a Hershey kiss. Okay, that might work, except the problem is it takes forever. We don't have time for that. And what if I just get tired, or I just kind of get, maybe, what if I just die? Hopefully you'd care more about the Hershey kiss if that happens, but maybe some of you are like, darn, he died before I could get my kiss. Damn, all right? So instead, I say, you know what? I'm going to split these up, right? Okay, I'm going to put one over here to Matt. He looks faithful. Oh, man, I should have given it to one of, uh, maybe to Kelly, right? Over here. Wow, you guys look great. Mother's Day. Man, right? Now, now I tell them, right? And I'm not going to make you do this. Don't worry, Yana. Uh, but, but, but I tell them, right, like, okay. Take, keep one for yourself. Now, give a handful to five different people. Ask them to keep one for themselves and to give a handful to five other people. And on and on it goes. How long would it take for everyone to have a kiss? Hershey kiss, all right? Let's be clear. It would, like, no time. Like, if you've ever been to one of our candlelight services, right? Like, if I uh, lit everyone's candle, we'd be done and the singing would just be over, right? But instead, I do a few and you do a few and you do a few and boom. This place is lit up like that. 
Right now, I'm not going to ask you to do that. Sorry, Matt. It's not Father's Day for crying out loud, you know. <laughs> now, I will. You will get a chance to have one, though. Did you sneak one? I would have, but you're a good girl. All right. So, so imagine that. But here's, there's also a risk with this principle, isn't there? What's the risk? <laughs> well, the risk is, I'm sure it wouldn't have been the two that I gave it to, but maybe one of you is like, eh, uh, I don't care. Or I'm going to keep it all to myself. Or the risk is, one of you is like, I'm supposed to give this away, but mm, mm, mm. then you try to wrap it back up and give it away. Who wants this? Anybody raise your hand? We got to talk, all right? You're going to be that desperate for chocolate. Okay. Or you drop it, and you're like, oh, and somebody steps on it, and you're like, oh, I don't know, right? Give it away. That's the risk. If I do it myself, fine. The risk is, are you going to be faithful to pass it on as a beautiful Hershey kiss the way I want you to? right? And so that's the exact, we'll call this, I'm sure Paul is going to be really happy with me that I turned this into Hershey Kisses, right? But this verse is that concept, except with the gospel, with God's word, with the truths of it, right? This is, again, a continuation of the sentence. Be strengthened by the grace that is in in, in Christ Jesus. And, Timothy, what you have heard from me, right, that testimony of Jesus in the presence of many witnesses, so everyone has heard it, and trust, there's that word again, we've seen that in this letter, and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You have there, first time Darren Vile, one of our elders, he pointed this out years ago, four generations, and he does almost every single year, because it's such a great verse about discipleship in, in the gospel, four generations, right? Paul, Timothy, the faithful men, to others also. And, and I don't think he was like, hey, I want it to stop there. Right? And it didn't, did it? Paul knows, I'm about to die. It can't be up to me. And Timothy eventually died. But guess what? Here we are, 2023, in Oxbridge, here praising the name of Jesus because of the gospel. Why? Because they passed it on faithfully. Faithfully. In the daily grind, it is the everyday Christians like us that he entrusts to pass it on. And, and, and there's a couple of aspects to that. One, right, faithful. He said choose faithful. He didn't say choose successful men, famous men, faithful, right? Because, man, we saw that in Ephesus. Paul knew all too well. This is nothing new. It happens today where people go, well, I'm going to pass it on, but I don't really like that aspect of God's word. And so you start licking it a little bit and repackaging it. Paul would be like, Jesus would be like, I don't need you to repackage what I gave you. I don't need you to warp it. I don't need you to step on it. I don't need you to add to it and take away from it. You just take what I've given you and give it to others faithfully. And that's what we try to do. That's what we try. We do that with our kids' ministries downstairs or in our other ministries. Like, we're not teaching moral lessons. I mean, they are, but that's the implication of it. We're not like, be like David. Cheat on your wife and kill people? No, 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 no. Be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. That's what we're teaching. That's what we're faithfully preserving and giving. And if we don't, it's just simply our time. I want you to imagine, right, if whatever person you most think about that shared the gospel, maybe when you were a little kid or maybe your next-door neighbor or a pastor, I don't know, whoever it was, right, and now imagine they did do it. 
Now, I, I truly believe God would have found another way. But how disheartening to think that that person or those people just said, nah, nah, I don't, I don't want to bother you. I don't want, I don't want, that would be horrible. It's just simply our time. It's our time to faithfully pass it on to our kids, our grandkids. It doesn't mean you become a televangelist. It just means that it becomes a priority to say, I want you to know. And if you're not a Christian here and you're like, wait, don't be pushing stuff. Like, listen, you have to know. Just imagine that, that if we truly believe you have poison and there's one antidote and we have it, how hateful it would be to be like, eh, I don't want to bother you with the antidote. Even if we're wrong, you should at least appreciate how much we love you to tell you the truth. And if you're right, you're right. But, but here's the thing. We're too much loving you to keep it to ourselves. We believe wholeheartedly you need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to keep passing it and passing it and passing it. And we desperately hope in faith you'll take it. We do it together. There's people right now watching babies telling me to shut up so we can get done with this. So moms could, and dads could, could be here and maybe hear the gospel. Or, 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 or you, you do it together. You invite someone to your home group or you read your Bible with someone. I don't know. We do it as individuals. But we have to prioritize. So if you're sitting there and you're like, man, that just sounds so daunting to me. I don't even know where. I'm just too weary myself. Okay, so you go back to the sandwich, right? I said that. Like, like for you, maybe it's not, you're not ready to go running out here and telling everyone about Jesus. I get it. You have to, you have to prioritize sitting and receiving the grace of God before you can give it. But if you're in a good spot and you're feeling like, man, I'm just a little scared, but I want, like, be bold. Find a way. Pass it on. It's our time. Maybe Jesus will come back today. But if there's another generation and generation after that, it's because we were faithful to pass it on to those who are faithful, to pass it on to those who are faithful until he comes back. It's just our time. So what I want to do, I'm going to invite our, our worship team will, will come up and get ready. But I'm going to ask you to either um, close your eyes or focus, however you want to do that. And I just want to ask you, I know it's hard. I know it's hard for me when, when I'm in your position to not yet start thinking about, you know, whatever plans you got afterwards. It's Mother's Day. Hopefully you got good plans and, or you got things to do or things. Just breathe. If you have to open your, your hands physically, do it. But I want you to just breathe. And receive God's grace. And I want to ask you, are you weary? Are you one of those? As I talked about it, you're like, that is me. Feeling unempty. Feeling frustrated. Tired. Bored. Just maybe it's something happening in your life. Maybe it's a sin that's gotten in the way. And you just, man, I've blown it. Remember, you just own it that you've blown it. God knows anyway. Just give it to him. I want to ask you, if, if that's you, what do you need to do to position yourself to receive God's daily grace? Something to do with your Bible? Something to do with prayer? Sitting in silence? Worship? What is it that you need? Father, I pray for those who are weary just ask for you to fill them right now. 
filled them with a just all-encompassing, awe-inspiring understanding of how much you love them, that you would send your only son to die for them. Wow. You aren't just, you are the God who walks with them. Not just on the mountaintops, but in the trenches. Fill them, Lord. And show them, convict them. What, what do we need, Lord, from you to fill ourselves, not just at church on Sunday, but every day? Show us. Give us a plan of action. And I want to ask you if you, um, if you're not in a weary crowd, you're in more of that, like, now I'm feeling good, but I'm not sure what to do with that. I want to ask you very specifically, what is God calling you to do or who is God calling you to? To encourage, to be a dispenser, a, a funnel for his grace, or maybe to pass on the gospel. Invite the church, pray, just start with praying for someone who you know doesn't know Jesus. What is it that God's calling you to do? Father, I pray for boldness for my brothers and sisters. I pray that they wouldn't leave here and forget all about what you've called them to do, but they would start getting excited. Holy Spirit, fill them with an excitement, passion for that person, people, ministry, whatever it is that you're calling them to do. To step out in boldness and in faith and with faithfulness, pass it on. Pray for anyone here who doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that you'd give them the faith, even right now as I pray, to put all of their faith in you. What a day to be saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ. To say goodbye to sin, to say goodbye to the lostness of this world, and to say yes to life that's found only in your name. I pray you would do that, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Let's worship together. If you can, stand with us. If not, Sing with us.